time for another Pinball Profile. I'm your host, Jeff Teolis. You can find everything on pinballprofile.com. Check out our Facebook group. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Pinball Profile. Email pinballprofile at gmail.com. Many of us in the pinball community know the story of how Roger Sharp had to prove that pinball was a game of skill. Some people actually have no idea, but because of Roger, he helped lift the ban of pinball in the 70s. What we are about to find out is that there is more to the man, his family, and his struggles. We're soon going to see this unfold on the big screen in Pinball, the man who saved the game. And joining us right now, writers and directors Austin and Meredith Bragg. Thank you very much for coming on the program. Thank you, Randall. This is an absolute joy to see this on the screen. It's a story that has meant so much to all of us. And even explaining to non-Pinball people that that really happened. There was a law. Yes, this all happened, and one man basically saved this. So thank you for making the film. What made you reach out to Roger and say, hey, we want to make a movie about your story? (laughs) Good question. Uh, I'll take this, Austin. I don't remember how we first learned that pinball used to be illegal uh, in many places and jurisdictions around the country, but we have a Google Doc filled with sort of germs of ideas for documentaries or films or shorts and this was on the list and occasionally I will go through the doc and just reach out to people we'll just just send cold emails to people or or just see if there's anything that pops up to us as uh, we were looking for a project and I emailed him out of the blue and just asked him if he would talk and at that stage I had no idea what it could be this was there was a good chance this would be a documentary I watched a, a particularly good documentary that Vice had produced about Roger, and I thought, well, I want to see if there's something else I can do. I didn't want to retread the same ground that they had. And so, as you've had Roger on uh, numerous times on your podcast, once you get Roger on the phone, you're going to be there a while. So we chatted with Roger for, oh gosh, probably three hours. That was one question. That was exactly, that was one question. Um, and it was then that I learned... All the other things, first of all, I just wanted to, you know, sort of separate fact from fiction about what had actually occurred, get it straight from him. But then I learned a little bit more about what was happening around his life that, you know, wasn't as, may have been a little bit more universal than strictly pinball, which is a great hook, but I was looking for something a little larger about Ellen. That's when I learned about Seth and his family. It's when I learned about uh, him being a writer at GQ, and it was after that when I hung up with him, I think I, I thought maybe this is a film, maybe, and that's pretty much how it came out. It was just sort of a long process of talking with him and and seeing if there was something there and pulling that thread, and um, I'm glad we did. Austin and Meredith, you've been famous for making award-winning short films. You talked to Roger. There is no way this could have been a short film. In fact, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be there at the Hamptons Film Festival, and I'm wondering, is the runtime like 10 hours? Or what are we talking here? We did have to do a little bit of compression. But uh, it's true. We, Meredith, I think, you know, did that first phone call with Roger, and uh, I think I got a, a call or an email soon after saying, I think this is actually a feature. And um, basically, this turned into our pandemic project. Through the course of pandemic, we would get on to Skype and we would talk to Roger for, I mean, cumulatively, we probably spoke to Roger for days, right? Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, uh, easy. At length about anything you could possibly imagine. Uh, of course, you know, 99% of that doesn't make the film, but a lot of it, you know, was in that first outline or that first draft because uh, there's just so many interesting facets to Roger's story that you can't just, you know, sum up in that one little city hall meeting. So it was kind of a challenge to, you know, bring that all into a manageable length. Um, but, uh, you know, outside of a little bit of time compression, I think pretty much everything that we're putting on the screen there is true. Mm-hmm. And when it's not, we, we call it out. That's right, true. Which you'll, you'll see at the end of the film. But um, because Roger wants the, you know, the truth out there, not necessarily the fiction. So we play with that a bit. I think people who know Roger will get a kick out of it. And you don't have to know Roger to enjoy the film, but people who do will understand a little bit more and, and laugh at a few things. Yeah. And also Dennis Boutiqueras, who plays the um, older Roger, is just fantastic. And I think we, we really lucked out to get him. And No doubt. Yeah. I talked with Roger, and he was thrilled when casting came about, and you got Dennis Utskaris, uh, who we know from recently Better Call Saul, and he's won many awards on stage as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that that's a good get, but you can say that about your entire cast, and we'll get to them in a second. But, yeah, this initial call, Roger told me, was kind of February of 2020, and then we have this thing called the pandemic happen, and mm-hmm. yet still you've been able to write film this movie and now we're going to be seeing it in a few weeks this is extremely exciting there had to be some hurdles to get through this pandemic and did that pandemic maybe help you with the writing process it certainly helps that we were you know cooped up with little else to do (laughs) Um, uh you know we've got our job we've got our kids but there's no commute anymore um you know there's a lot of time that we could funnel into this and you know we could always connect with roger on the phone or on Skype and hash things out that way. And still, I mean, it took us the better part of a year, I think, to write, to get the script into a shape that we felt good about. And it's just uh, a lot of it was, you know, weekends and evenings, just carving out the time. We didn't do any really, there weren't any other extracurricular activities happening. Mm-hmm. So there was some, I guess that does help a little bit when the pandemic happens. But it's something you have to do regardless. You just have to carve the time to wrestle with the material and and find a way that you find compelling, that Roger would find compelling and accurate enough to get his seal of approval. (laughs) And and that an audience who may know nothing about Pinball or Roger might find compelling. And that was important to us, getting getting Roger, you know, getting his thumbs up on this project. So he he was involved when we were, you know, putting together drafts of the script, and we wanted to make sure that, we were we were doing things that uh, he would approve of. You know, I think he probably would have changed a few details in this script. <laughs> but uh, I'm I'm glad that that you know we got his uh, his backing on this. He's very humble in the sense that you really want to make a movie about me, and the answer is yes, Roger. That's why you're asked to speak at so many different places, and you're you know you're very eloquent. You've written so many books. Basically, for the same reason I've done this podcast for six years, I'm more interested in the person. Pinball is what kind of draws us together, but we all come from different walks of life. And this is a movie, sure, it has pinball, but really it is about the man and his struggles and meeting Ellen, meeting Seth, and bringing that all together. And prior to this interview with you, Roger and I have talked several times and just talked about similarities. 
myself being a child with a single mother and in that time frame too when that was not the norm right and in fact i remember going to a new school after my parents split up and people were asking where is your father and i'm like uh it was just better to say he was dead which is a horrible thing he wasn't dead but he also wasn't part of my life so uh, the struggles the kids have the struggle the single mother has and and we're gonna see that and then and this man comes in and just uh, finds happiness and, and love and and a family and we know the happily ever after story and it's exciting it's more than pinball this movie i think people need to understand that oh absolutely i mean the dirty secret and um which I think I've said enough now that it probably is not a secret, is that neither Austin or I are particularly good at pinball. Um, <laughs> we don't have pinball machines in our home. We, we came at it from a different direction. We just thought the story was interesting and unique. And, you know, setting every, the people who are listening to this podcast obviously know the story, so I mean, I'm not giving anything away here, but, you know, we know that we're going to have this showdown in a courtroom. That's always, you know, that's a great ending. That's a great spot to end a film, but the question is, how do you make it universal? And I think that may be one of our, one of the benefits, actually, to us not being so steeped in the pinball community. We've become much more, but not, not at the outset, is that we looked at the story from a slightly different perspective than maybe a huge pinhead might. Now, that said, I think I'm a little better at pinball than when we started. We are definitely better. We are definitely better. It's we have still to. terrible by the metric of anyone listening to this podcast. Agreed. <laughs> well, I mean, for those that know, Roger has uh, children and, and his one son who looks after the International Flipper Pinball Association. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's never won a major. I just need to point that out, that Josh is still searching for that major. <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> if you know this podcast, you know the shots to Josh, or they come frequent. So, anyway. It's got cold in here. <laughs> it's almost winter here in Canada. Um, I am just thoroughly impressed with that this is this come to life, and you've put together this incredible cast. We talked about Dennis, and we'll get to him in a second, but Mike Feist, who we recently saw, in West Side Story, the Steven Spielberg production, BAFTA nominated, and he's done several things on Broadway and off-Broadway. I mean, that was a real coup, if you will, to get him to play young Roger. Yeah, and, and more than anything else, just a fantastic human being. I mean, Mike has a, had a huge sort of burden on this film, right? I mean, he's in almost every scene. And, you know, somebody who is as kind and as open and you know willing to try things mike it was just uh, invaluable to this production absolutely yeah i couldn't agree more and and hats off to our casting director lindsay weissmuller who no doubt um basically put him in front of us and said you know look at this guy and you know uh, west side hadn't come out it was coming out a few months after we shot after we wrapped I think she just knew. She knew how good he was. And I'm thrilled, thrilled to to have had him. I mean, he's fantastic. And, and I mean, so many of our, much of our cast, I would say Crystal Reed as well, who plays Ellen, just the two of them together, just phenomenal. There's so many, so many wonderful people who agreed to be in this film. And we're, mm -hmm. we can't thank them enough because... At the end of the day, that's who you're going to be seeing on the screen are these people, and they, they have to bring it, and they all did. It's just, yeah, I can't say enough about the actors and the cast and the whole crew. Just fantastic. 
Ellen has been on this program on our Mother's Day edition show, and and she's I heard know, that uh, one. she's she's a very private woman and and a, an incredible artist and a proud mother and wonderful wife. And uh, I did ask Roger because he's obviously seen the film. How did Ellen feel about it? She loved it, of course, but you know it's in a way a very private person so here you are on a big screen here's my life story ta-da and uh you know thank you to austin and meredith for portraying her in such a wonderful light and uh, people are going to see that and those that know the sharp family know that they are they're great and this is going to make a wonderful story we mentioned dennis butzakaris who is playing the older version of roger roger who is also an executive producer in this film was thrilled beyond belief to have him play an older Roger. I'm pretty sure that it was his recommendation. He was on his short list, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think he was the first one to mention him. And, um, you know, I think we got on a quick call with Dennis fairly early in the casting process. And, I mean, it was it was pretty clear. We had a lot of fun with Dennis. You know, he's he's just so excellent. And... The only real shame is how little he got to interact with the other people on screen. But, you know, he's such a strong, gifted actor. He's able to, to carry those, those scenes all by himself. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about the two of you. I mean, you've been making these short films for quite some time and award-winning at, at all these film festivals. Uh, recently, you did a, a very funny comedy piece called A Piece of Cake. And by the way, don't think I didn't catch that. The premise of that story is a little girl <laughs> wants silver balls on her cake. And here you are making a film about silver balls. So I hope you guys can branch out on the next film for, get away from the silver ball. But it, I, I'm glad you're doing this. But there is some kind of connection there. Branch out. We're looking for a third. Sputnik, <laughs> <Butnick>, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> the balls just start getting larger. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Somewhere we'd be set. Exactly. To make a major film, to do a full-length film, was this always the goal? Because you've had such incredible success with the short films. What made you say, okay, this was always the plan, and this is the story? What was this? I don't know if, I think you're giving us a lot of credit. I'm not sure that we pre-planned much of this. I love making, I love creating things. I love making content, and I always want to get better and challenge myself. And, um... You know, we regularly make content uh, for Reason, which is a magazine, and, a, and we make video content there. And the short films were just sort of a, using some of the skills that we've learned there, sort of branching out and making something bigger. And then this was, and that was scary, you know, to make something with a, a larger casted crew. And the piece of cake was also done by MPI, the Moving Picture Institute, which funded Pinball as well. And that was sort of proved to us that we could do this. And so the next step was to try to do something even bigger. And so we wrote this screenplay, never knowing, you never know if these things would happen or not. Um, you can't bank on any of this because there's just so many, so many stars have to align for a, a film to get greenlit and shot and made. And it just so happened that MPI wanted to make a film and there was another one that wasn't quite ready yet. An hour of scripts was they thought was good enough and ready to go and so we were fast-tracked it was surprising but i would i don't know if i could say it was planned so much as it was an opportunity that we were so grateful to have and we couldn't say no to so now it was just up to us to make it as as good as possible so we could you know honor the opportunity we've been given 
you have to understand that for so long, Meredith and I were making content by ourselves with our friends. You know, uh, we had no crew. We were the crew. You know, Meredith was behind the camera. One of us was holding a boom pole. We're all setting up the lights. I mean, uh, it was really just sort of DIY building dollies out of skateboard wheels. And so this process by which, you know, we started making these shorts with an actual crew and working with the DP has been really fantastic because, you know, we may have a wide breadth of knowledge, but not very deep. <laughs> and so having all of these, you know, specialists who are so good at their craft uh, really elevates what we're able to do. And I'll also add, I think that because it's usually it's, you know, Austin and I, and, and occasionally we'll have, you know, another person or two other people who are, are part of the, the production team. Um, I'm using air quotes because it's so small. But um, I think that when we have people, artists who are so good at their craft, we really love collaborating with them. And we love soaking mm -hmm. up as much as we can. You know, we love hearing their ideas. We are definitely not dictators on set. Or, I mean, we, we love, we play well with others. And I think part of that is because we're so grateful. We've done everything. We've done catering. We've done costuming. <laughs> we've done props. We've done art design. We've acted in front of these things. And to watch people who are truly gifted at it, we have this appreciation of it that I do think comes from our background. And that extends to the cast as well, to sort of oh, work yeah. back. Just the ability to, to sit down with Mike or to sit down with Crystal or Dennis and, you know, talk through these things and find new wrinkles as you go. I mean, it's just working with people at this level is just, it's a whole different world. It's refreshing to hear because I've heard horror stories of film sets where, this is the director, and director is another word for dictator. And here are the two of you splitting duties, writing, directing. And not only that, it's just bringing in the entire team. And there are no bad ideas. Let's kind of brainstorm and let's figure out what's going to work best. Whereas others are, nope, my single-minded vision, it's going to be this way. I was wondering, before you had mentioned that, how you were going to divide things up. Because there are two of you. You know, there can only be one person in the director's chair. I guess the other one takes the AD chair. But it sounds like it was very organic to maneuver through this movie with the both of you and the cast. Yeah, I would also say, you know, most of the time, any sort of disagreements that we, Austin and I, might have about a script or how we are going into a film or a shoot, that's all been worked out. And there are, there are a few we think very much alike. I think our, our comedy uh, tastes are, are similar. But if we had any, that's all worked out well before we're with other people. And so in some ways, having two people allows us to problem solve at two different uh, places at once, which is always, I mean, when you're directing, I would say that's 90% of the job is just, you know the story, you know what you want, your job is to not let it break while whatever random things might happen are going to happen. Um, it's just the nature of making movies. You know, unexpected things happen, and you have to figure out how you're going to react to it. And the fact that there are two of us can be really helpful at times. We definitely separated a few times, so we could, you know, one person would go talk with this group while another person was on set directing, and then we'd swap. But it also really helps when you have that moment when you're staring at a scene and you're thinking, I don't know what to do right now. <laughs> you can just tag out and say, <laughs> I need to rely on your brain for the moment. Yeah, yeah. In creating this movie, 
pinball the man who saved the game. Was it easier? Was it more difficult? What were some of the restraints you had in creating this true story? When you've done other films, the short films, this is all fiction. It's all a clean slate. Whereas this, you, know, you got to be accurate a little bit. Did that help or hurt? It certainly helps, you know, in that sort of germination phase when you're writing. Um, Meredith likes to talk about the difference between uh, features and documentary and narrative and documentary. That, you know, with narrative, is it's like building something with clay. And, uh, and documentary, it's like chipping away at a piece of marble. You know, how much of the story are you cutting away and how much do you have to build up from scratch? So in, in that sense, it's certainly easier. It's also a lot harder because we're dealing with real people. Uh, we're dealing with real things that happen. There's, you know, we're not doing car chases or explosions in this film, right? It's just not that kind of movie. Uh, so, you know, there's only so much wiggle room you have uh, when you're writing, when you're basing it off a true story like this. Yeah, I, I agree. I love it. I love it becomes a problem to solve, which I, you know, I like puzzles. You have a lot of information and you know certain things that you have to stay true to. And then there are certain things that maybe are unknown and you have to, you can conform a little bit to the story that you're creating. But both of us have done documentary work and I think that's really helpful when it comes to looking at a true story and finding a narrative through line that will feel satisfying to an audience. That's, in many ways, that's the job of a documentarian, is to try to figure out how to take all of this information and make it interesting. And this felt similar. And it does not hurt to have someone like Roger who, as we mentioned before, someone like Roger who, who will tell you his life story and give you, I mean, he was an open book. He, he would tell us everything. And then, you know, we, we got to talk with people around Roger, obviously Ellen, Seth, James Hamilton, the photographer from Pinball, the book. Um, we spoke with him and a number of other people who knew Roger. And so we, we got to learn the story from their perspective as well. And then we, we synthesized it. I love it. I, I think creativity works best when there are some guardrails and it forces you to, to sort of figure out how to stay in the lane. If it's completely open, it can actually be a little bit difficult to find sort of that, that grade, that, that thread that you want to pull. In making this film, I've noticed some of the cast and crew, and I saw Eddie Kramer, who uh, the pinball community knows as one of the techs and uh, certainly mm -hmm. yes. a big part in New York. Roger told me one of the things, I mean, the story is obviously the big part of this movie, but he was very concerned about the accuracy of, you know, did that score 100 points? Did it make that sound? Wait, so the pinball nerds, and we are nerds, would, wouldn't go, hey, wait a second here. <laughs> and he said, it's very, he said it's very accurate. Yeah, well, we we are we have done our best to get everything right in the pinball world because I think Roger feared that he would be murdered by the pinball mom. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, I mean, and I think a lot of people on the on the cast and crew took it to heart as well. I mean, our audio guys, we literally had somebody getting machine accurate sound effects from you know somebody's collection up in what was it seattle i've already I think it was somewhere in the, on the west coast yeah but uh, you know making sure that the scores are correct and look 
you guys know this more than we do. There's going to be a, something wrong. I'm sure of it. I'm sure when you guys sit down and pause and go frame by frame, something's off. And I apologize. I blame Meredith. <laughs> it's Roger saying a sentence in under 100 words. That's the error. <laughs> well, you know, Roger sp- said that when he was younger, he talked more in... Um, Headlines. headlines. Wow. That he was an ad guy. And so yeah. when he was younger, he spoke in headlines and later he spoke in paragraphs. <laughs> and uh, so we, we decided to take that to heart. It certainly helped with the pacing. And to be fair, the conceit of the film is that this is Roger telling a story. So, you know, it's a 90 minute story. I think that's. That's accurate. Yeah. Right? That's on brand. You two are very modest and very humble uh, when you're talking about this little film that you've created, but it's not easy to get into film festivals, and you are going to be at several. You have to be approved. They have to uh, say, yeah, this is worthy of the film festival. You've got a lot coming up. I mentioned the Hamptons. There's one in Indiana coming up. Tell us, Yeah, so tell us where we are going to be able to see this film, and what can the pinball community do to, oh, I don't know, Make a petition to Ted Sarandos and, uh, hey, let's get this on Netflix. Call up Hulu, Apple. What do we need to do to help get this widely distributed? Sure. Yeah, so I can tell you, as of the time we're recording this, I believe the, the film festivals that are public are the Hamptons, followed by Heartland, and then we'll be able to Newport Beach in California. Santa Fe, and then we'll be in London. We'll actually go to Rain Dance. It's going to close the Rain Dance Film Festival, which is a huge honor. We're thrilled. I would say show up if you can come. If you're if you're nearby, um, I would go to pinballfilm.com and you know there's a nice button there where you can get updates and and throw your email in because there will be more. There are more that will be announced and this will be they'll be rolling out. Hopefully, it'll come to a city near you and you can come watch it. You can get a ticket and watch it. But that 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 I think right now that is that's number one, and then. At Pinball Film, you can sign up for you know Instagram and and um, I'm sure they have a number, you know Instagram and 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 all the social media links there and that'll keep updated that way. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and all that great stuff. I think that's that's number one and just spread the word. But I'm just I just want people to watch it and then I want to hear how what you thought of it. I'm so nervous and curious to know how how people people react to this. But I think. As you mentioned, the the fact that we were admitted into these prestigious film festivals, it feels really good. And um, when you're on day 14 on set of a shoot, you're just hoping that what you're making connects with an audience and that it works out uh, and that people will enjoy it and that you're doing it justice to the people involved and, and the people who, the cast and crew and others who have given their time and their their brain power and, and really are are pushing for this film and to see it be accepted into these festivals is a huge relief and it's gratifying and humbling. Yeah, I'm excited that uh, this is Roger's story finally getting out into the wider world. I hope and you know I have to give credit to uh, our producers at MPI because they've really been at the forefront in terms of getting the word out and being getting in touch with these festivals um, mm-hmm. and you know at this point we're just sort of along for the ride 
You know, they've been saying for years, Hollywood is only interested in superhero movies. But to us in the pinball community, Roger has always been a superhero. So I see everybody getting on board with this film. Pinball, the man who saved the game. Go to pinballfilm.com to find out more, sign up, and hopefully you will be seeing this movie very, very soon. Austin and Meredith Bragg, I cannot thank you enough for coming on this program. I know you've got a busy slate over the next few weeks and appreciate your time and thank you for making this wonderful film. No, thank you for having us. Uh, Jeff, thank you so much. This has been your Pinball Profile. You can find everything on pinballprofile.com. We're on Twitter and Instagram at pinballprofile. Email pinballprofile at gmail.com. I'm Jeff Teolis. Yeah, you, 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 you.